Hey everyone, today I sat down with Tommy Stiggs. He's an ex-mob associate. He was a bookie and a loan shark. Uh, today we talk about that and some mob history and how he went to prison and what ultimately led him to being able to leave the mafia alive. If you want to hear more videos that'll change your life for the better, please hit the subscribe button down below. Alright, welcome back to the IOY podcast. Today I got a new guest on today. His name is Tommy Stiggs. Uh, he's an ex-mob uh, associate. He was a bookie and a loan shark. Uh, today we're going to be talking about his early life and how he became associated with the mob and, you know, how he ended up leaving the mob and, you know, where he's at today. Thanks for coming on, Tommy. You're welcome. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, finally, nice to meet you, man. Same here. <laughs> so, uh, I, you know how we can start, man, is we can talk about your early life. You know, uh, what was your upbringing before joining or becoming associated with the mob? Upbringing was basically an Italian-American neighborhood. Um, the, that type of element was around for as long as I can remember. We didn't realize that it was the element, but it was. It just, you know, it's just like a second nature to us. So there was always that kind of flavor or that vibe going around. And yeah, right. you know, grew up. In. Yeah. So, when was your? Uh, I mean, what, what was it like for you? You know, before you joined the mob. I mean, were you? Because I, I think I've heard you know discussions that you were, grew up in kind of a poorer neighborhood, and you yeah. know, you were the, you were the poorest in the neighborhood and stuff like that. You know, so kind of talk about, you know, what were some struggles that you went through as a kid? You know, with being poor. So I never really. Could, I don't want to say I joined the mob. It was just mm -hmm. a matter of course, I guess you can say. Some people became lawyers, some people became law enforcement officers, some people became doctors, some people got mixed up in the in the life, the street life. Right. Uh, me, for me, more so, it was a matter of survival. It wasn't really a poor neighborhood. I would say it was middle class, but I was the poorest in the neighborhood mm -hmm. because of familial situations. My father left when we were young. There was my mother on her own, so more so out of survival which makes it come kind of natural, I guess, in some respects, because it's not a glamour, it's that a survival. Yeah, so. It's kind of weird, you know, seeing your mother struggling, not being able to keep the lights on, stuff like that, and not being of an educated individual, you kind of looked for that. It didn't have to be that way, because like I said, many individuals from our area became successful in legitimate life. So. It was just a path to maybe make it a little bit better, I guess you can say. Yeah. And how old were you when you kind of realized that you were the poorest in the neighborhood? And what made you realize that? 11, 12 years old when my father left us. Mm -hmm. And it was just me and my brother and my mother. So, you know, up to that point, we were kind of on par with the regular blue collar lifestyle, which is pretty awesome. I mean, middle, middle income life is kind of enjoyable. You're not so comfortable, but it is enjoyable because you have a sense of community. Everybody's the same as you. You're not rich. You don't know you're not rich. You think you're rich because of the neighborhood. You know, you kind of had a, everybody was pretty much the same. So you don't know until it hits you that you're like, okay, this, you know, everybody's buying new clothes and, um, you know, we're going right. to, we're going to the place that sells the, quality control rejected clothes you know what I mean so right yeah yeah no I mean it is kind of weird how you know we grow up in certain situations and you know we kind of think of it as being quote-unquote normal but 
you know, you eventually age and mature and you're like, damn, you know, something's not right here, you know, and it's just kind of like, you know, you, you just like think like, well, I, I want to make a change. I want, I don't want to be like how it was when I was growing up, you know, so, you know, that's kind of what happened with you, right? You I mean, you, you, you joined, you became an associate with the mob. I mean, so, you know, what age was that? Well, even at a younger age, nine years old, I was serving uh, sandwiches at poker games in baseball. Oh, really? So we always had that around just natural. So as a young man, I was, you don't even know you're in the element when you are in the element. We're learning, guys like me are learning all of this later on through men like you who see it from an outside perspective. For us, it became, it was natural. You know, every weekend, one basement had a poker game going on in the neighborhood. So, and it was typically a mom or a, a woman that ran this poker game. It's, it's <laughs> crazy, but that's what it was. So I was serving poker games at nine years old, making tips. <laughs> Damn. Or first nature almost, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, so you were yeah, just... So, you Oh, yeah, go ahead. When you're around it naturally like that, you don't even know that it's not the norm. Yeah, right. Yeah, because until later on, we meet men like you that you know from from a different different perspective. Area. Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, when you when when did that kind of happen? You know, like that you did realize that okay, there's something going on here. Like, was that middle school when you started going to different, being around different people, or uh, probably around ninth grade-ish, 10th grade-ish. Yeah. A friend of mine uh, got jammed up with gambling. He lost a boatload of money. Damn. Uh, gambling. But you started, it started out with those football slips, you know, the little football slips. It was like a gambling slip that went around the neighborhoods that you had to pick a certain amount of winners to win. But mm-hmm. that led to, you know, if you had a, if you had a compulsion, you some people ended up gambling big on football games. So I guess it was around 10th grade. A friend of mine lost $54,000. We were in 10th grade. Holy shit. And I think around 10th grade. And that's when we started to realize, okay, you know, what's going on here? Somebody's coming to collect, blah, blah, blah. And it just just became it just became a natural thing as far as, as, far as our introduction to it. Not right. knowing we were involved in... An underworld, I guess you could say. Yeah. You could say. Yeah, so you were always kind of involved in it. I mean, even at what we're... It. Yeah, yeah. So, so, thing that we didn't even know. Different. So were, so were you running any, like, scheme, schemes or anything like that when you were coming up? Not or? that young. No, not that no. young. I mean, yeah, yes. I, I, all right. Was it gambling at... You know, guys will bring us trunk, trunks full of cologne and trunks full of hot stuff. Mm-hmm. We would sell it, you know. We would sell hot goods, but again, it just came so second nature. We didn't even realize we were doing something wrong. So I had a trunk full of cologne, whatever the popular cologne was at that time, and we would sell it. We don't know where it came from. It came off a truck, obviously, and right. put, into, put into our, you know, into our hands to sell as young individuals. It's crazy. Damn. Yeah. I mean, that is pretty crazy. So you know, we start out. We start out young. Not even knowing you're in a criminal environment, mm. it just comes so natural. It's the oddest thing. To me, it's the oddest thing now. Seeing right. different people's perspectives. Yeah, now that you're like, like I said, you know, once you get older and a different age, you just kind of start realizing, damn, 
you look back at your past like wow that was fucking <laughs> you know you, you just kind of think twice about it now you right know there, but, it's just right there with us you know yeah so let me pause you is the lighting okay can you see are we good with yeah the yeah okay. yeah yeah you're good man okay good just want to make sure we don't you know. oh yeah uh so, so when was uh you know your first introduction to kind of like becoming an associate i mean uh, what was that like i mean I the would process say probably, on probably in my is probably 19 ish i would say 19 ish uh -huh. um somehow some way and i don't remember exactly the football betting slicks came my way and i was distributing the betting slips as a like a like a bookie in training, I guess you can say. Right. So we would we would distribute the, the betting slips through all different areas or all different people, and that was my introduction basically to it through a family member, uh, an uncle, through an uncle who was you know kind of uh, higher up. So that's where that that began, I guess. Yeah. And what family was was the one that you joined? Well, I don't want to get too. There's going to be some questions, you know, that I got. Oh, okay. Remember, remember just keep in mind, I'm not an informant. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Well, I, I don't that. go into much detail about who I was with, what I was with, who I was doing things with. I can tell you from my area, every family was, every family was involved in some way or another. It wasn't specific to one family. You had right. Genovese, you had Gambino, you had Lucchese, Scarfo. The most dominant, prominent would be Genovese. Mm -hmm. And second would be probably Gambino, and third probably be Lucchese. But I mingled with everybody. I was not obligated to any one individual. You know, when, oh, you're okay. when you're an associate, it's a little bit different. You do typically go on record with someone, but when you're an associate at that level, you're not 100% obligated to a specific outfit so you're oh. kind of, yeah. so you can mix and mingle with all of them yeah. and yeah. kind of do work with in all of them a little respects. bit in some respects yeah okay yeah. yeah yeah so i mean after you know you were 19 you know you were kind of like you said trying to you know train you know becoming a you know a bookie in training you know and uh yeah. what what led up to what was the next after that it, that that kind of came natural after that became uh just taking action on football games baseball games, uh, and then a, a social club. We had a social club, so I was involved in that, poker game. You know, there's a little bit that went on in between all of that, but it's just regular, everyday stuff. It's the, prog it's the progression, like in every job, I would say, I guess you can say. So you went from, from betting, you know, handling football slips to basically running a package of, you know, um, gamblers and – bookmakers and just people involved in gambling so right. we, you know we were in a social club and uh that's kind of the headquarters i guess you can say and uh it led to just i don't know how it happens like i said it just comes so natural so it's hard for me sometimes to explain but it it comes so natural before you know it you end up with 45 gamblers betting on the giants with you damn let me let me uh, let me silence my phone. Real quick. Oh, go ahead, man. I don't want it to interrupt what I said. <laughs> yeah, so that it's a natural it's a natural thing, mm -hmm. and uh, the transition 
you know, the transition just comes natural to you. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Power. I don't know why. Me myself personally, I never had a gambling issue. I never bet a dollar in my life. Damn. And, and ended up having a very uh, lucrative, successful gambling operation. So it's, it's very weird. <laughs> probably the best way to, to to do it is you know stay away from the gambling but let the people gamble yeah i had a business mentality i so i i, I guess looking back now i had a business mentality versus you know i don't know who the giants quarterback was and i really didn't care i just know the giants are given seven and we have to make that work in our favor you know so yeah so did they have any uh any ways of making it work in their favor or was it just kind of, it was all legit, you know, with the gambling? Yeah, that's what I was kind of good at. So what happens is we're fast forwarding now and that's okay. Whatever you yeah. feel, we're fast forwarding into being fully into bookmaking. Uh-huh. Uh, so one of my uh, strengths was my ability to follow the action as it's coming in. So say the action bookmaking action say the action is coming in for the giants they're given seven i'm just using fake numbers right now the giants are given seven to the cowboys right i'm using i'm using all fake you know situations right. and we got a hundred thousand dollars coming in on the giants given seven right uh-huh. i might say okay line two drop down to the giants given six and a half we need to get we need to change the action the other way so it's a it's a continuous hustle up and down of moving action all around. You're trying to juggle the line. A bookmaker's job is not to just take the action, it's to also benefit the outfit that you're working for. And how can mm-hmm. you do that? You can do that by switching lines and then say too much action comes in on that Giants game, you'll bet with another office. We might have it at another lines. Not everybody understands lines, but those are the odds basically. So oh, okay. different odds with a different office. So, okay, we might say, okay, we got way too much action on this. The odds at somebody else's office are different. Let's bet 100,000 of our 200,000 action with that office. So it's just a, it's just a, it's a hustle. It's a job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it really sounds like it because, I mean, it it's like, job. it's like figuring out the odds and everything. I mean, there's yes, so much that goes with it. Exactly. But if you're good at it, you can make your outfit money. Yeah. I mean, uh, what were you, I guess? Because there's ones that work in the office. and then I, was there's an the- agent. I was an agent. And then I had packages under me. I was a bookmaker with uh-huh. people that had, um, that turned into me, that reported to me, basically. So I oversaw a network of guys that actually had gamblers with them. So I never saw their gamblers. I, n- I don't know who they were. So right. say you have a package with me, you're cut in at say 25% of your winnings mm-hmm. and you have 20 guys gambling with you. I don't know anything about your 20 guys. I just know that your package bet uh, $10,000. Just use a fake number. You know, right. so I kind of moved through it to being able to control a network of gamblers, a network yeah. of players. Yeah, so I mean... Yeah, uh, when so when, when did the loan shark part come about? That comes about when a gambler loses and can't pay. Yeah, so you would have to go out there so and you turn it into a loan with another individual within an organization. 
And this is generic, I guess you could say. This is not just me. This is how the system basically works. So you lose money with me. You can't pay me. I I send you two, or I loan you that money. Say you lose $5,000, example, you can't pay it. I got to make a business decision if I want to keep you as a gambler and loan you that 5000 and keep that separate from the gambling and have you continue, or I cut you off and loan you that money, or I cut you off and send you to a loan shark who will pay your debt and how you owe them. And it's that's a twisted web you get into. Unfortunately, the gamblers get into that twisted web. It, it never really ends well for them. Yeah, I mean, because it sounds just like a, a never-ending cycle, if, especially it, if they're addicted to it, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's a never-ending cycle. It's, but it's everyday life in, our, in this world, you know, in, in that world, you know. It's an everyday life. It's the way things go every day. Yeah, I don't, recommend, I don't recommend it. Don't ever bet. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, I mean, especially now that it's legal, I guess it's probably. Uh, how, how do you feel about it being legal now? And it was. I don't think it has any effect on street gambling because you have to remember you have to have credit to bet with. You have to be like you have to have a credit card or, you got to pay that right then, to the to the legal gambling. I think that's how it works. I'm pretty yeah. sure that's how it works. You either have to have an open credit line or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, but I think something like that. Yeah, with street gambling, with street bookies, there is none of that. You pay on Thursday or, you know, other things take place. So it's totally different. I, I don't think that'll go away. I've never mm -hmm. think street gambling will go away. It's, it's not possible. It may, so hurt you, it may hurt it a little bit, but... I yeah. So, I mean, um, did you ever have to go and collect debts then like that when people wouldn't pay? Uh, not typically. If if it got to that point, I maybe in some respect, but there was other people for that. There's other people. When it gets oh. to that point, when it gets to that point, there's other people. You know, because it was a family effort. Right. You know, that would have to help. Because I mean, it was the money for the family, right? It's for the organization, whatever organization right. you might be working for. They have guys that do that. It may be you may be the bookmaker that does that. You may be a bookmaker that is a laborer, also. You know what I mean? Or you mm -hmm. may be a bookmaker that just handles the business and other people handle that aspect of the business. You know, it's, it varies. It varies. Yeah. So, um, you know, with all that, you know, that you did, was there, uh, what else other duties did you do while you're associated? Was it just those ones? Well, you know, typically was good at that. Um, they call you to do other different things. And scores come up and different types of illegal activities come up and you make your decisions what you want to do you know if you want to take on a score or do this do that do the other thing i typically stuck to i stuck to this yeah i was good at it i had no vices and i just stuck to that it was the money maker <laughs> yeah. and there's good money in it you know yeah. so then uh are you able to say like how much you would I mean, how would you even profit? You know, I, I guess I never really understood it. So how it happens is typically, this is the typical, everybody can come up with their own agreement, arrangement uh -huh. with, with the office or with the people that you're working for. But typically you get a percentage of your winnings, mm -hmm. which means say, you know, you lose, your your people lose whatever amount of dollars going into the organization 
you get a percentage of the winnings. Oh, okay. So if, yeah. it, it, some people get 25, some people get 35, some people get 50%. It all varies. That's a, it, it, the percentage increases in time and as you prove yourself. Mm -hmm. so you might start as a 25%. If you, you know, if you bring in 100, you get $20. I'm just using a fake number. You bring in, right. you know, and then it grows and grows and grows. You can go up to 50% and go higher than that. Damn. Then you go. You could go even higher if you take part of the risk. So typically, the organization handles the losses. Uh -huh. You don't go into your pocket for the losses. But when those losses accumulate, you have to make that back. Say your guys. Say your guys win a thousand that week. Mm -hmm. You got to make back a thousand before you start getting your percentage again. Oh. The red. It's called the red, but you're typically in the green. Because yeah. gamblers, gamblers typically don't stay ahead. <laughs> You're typically <laughs> going to make money as a bookmaker. Somebody might have a good run, but so that's how it works. You're, you know, it's lucrative to the organization. Right. Yeah. So how many years did you do it all together while you were out? I would say seven, maybe. Seven, you said? 18 to 26 or something like that. Six, seven, six, seven. seven or eight years. Damn. Yeah, I got in trouble until I got in trouble. So, yeah, what what led up to that, and what what's I would say around I would say around eight years. I had a good run. I had a Damn. I had a again again. I was not doing it out of glamour. It started out as a, out of survival, familial survival to help my to help you know just to be I don't know just to just I found my way to earn money while others were getting probably educated. And going a different route or family had money or whatever we didn't so i found that as my way to stay on par with it with you know with the environment i guess you can say yeah and just did, did it help you know with you know like all the skills and stuff you learned from there i mean because you know you could probably uh, apply them to like different you know strategies and stuff that you do in your daily life now you know what i mean and i do 25 really? years ago, 25 years ago is when I got in trouble and I've been with the same organization job legitimately for 25 years Damn. without That's any ruling in a management position. What, what position did you say? A management, in management. Oh yeah. See, yeah, that'd be perfect. Cause you like you said, you were kind of supervising your, your own guys that you had too, yeah. and they would report back to you. So, I mean, yeah, you learn from, you know, from that. I mean, it has its perks, you know, that you can, pick up and learn i mean it's not like it's just you make fast money i mean you're learning stuff as well as you i mean life skills you know what i mean exactly what i was just gonna say i learned life skills yeah i took a shot at getting a job as a supervisor or a manager and i nailed it and all that stuff that i learned doing all of that not knowing what i was learning i was learning management skills but i was <laughs> Without education, it's crazy. <laughs> Little did you know, man. Little did I know. And 25 years legitimate living and doing okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's good, no, man. No education. And I I just took that confidence that comes with that type of life because you do have to have – you have to have some type of level of confidence to be able to succeed in, in that kind of world. Yeah. Otherwise, you're going to get rolled over, right? Mm-hmm. You will get rolled over. So I learned a lot. Um, Self-esteem, uh, confidence, 
management skills, uh, ability to deal with negative things that come your way, all of that stuff. And you've probably heard many people say it before, if this guy was in a Fortune 500 company, he'd be a gazillionaire. I'm yeah. sure we've heard it before, right? Yeah. It's, it's kind of true. Yeah. It is true. I, I'm not wealthy. I make a living legitimately and I can eat. So I'm good. Yeah. Yeah, you don't have to worry about the cops or nothing, nothing like that right. anymore. You right. can go to sleep right. easy. That's right. a positive outcome. Typically, the guys are doing life on the installment plan, as we said. Damn. It's just the way it is. You get a pinch here for a year. You get another pinch there for three years. Another pinch for five years. Another yeah. arrest for 10 years. Before you know it, you are literally legitimately doing life on the installment plan. Did uh, you ever go to prison? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I went away. I got pinched. I got arrested for this, so I went away. I got a nine-month sentence in county. I was facing five. Mm -hmm. I was facing five in New Jersey State and um, pled down to violating gambling laws. A lot of charges were dropped. I, I pled guilty, and I took uh, violating New Jersey gambling laws. I got nine months in the county prison system. Damn. Um, yeah, I, I mean... Nothing too major, major, but still, I mean, it's nine months of your life. Like you said, you mean it's something you don't get back, but I mean, what what led up to that? I mean, how, how did you get back? No. County, county penitentiary is difficult, man. So where was the one? It's just, it's just not, uh, out of all the three, um, they say corrections. I never would say corrections. It's all a penalty. It's not, there's no corrections involved. It's a penalty of what you did, right? They can uh -huh. say corrections all they want, but federal is the federal is the most in some in some respects. Not every federal penitentiary, but it's kind not the easiest time to do, but the environment is cleaner. I guess you can say cleaner. Maybe you could say. Um, State is one level above county. And county, they just throw you in a cage and you're you're just like an animal. County is very, very difficult time to do. Like Rikers Island is basically a county prison. If you heard of mm -hmm. Rikers Island in New York, yeah. it's uh and you've probably heard of the conditions, that's like a county prison. It's it's the worst of the worst. So when mm -hmm. they sentence you, the most they can sentence you in county is three hundred and sixty-four days. If you get 365, you're going to the state system. Federal is a whole different situation. But if you're facing state and county charges, 365, mm -hmm. you go to state prison. 364, if they want to screw you, anything 364 or under, you go, you're doing all your time in county. Damn. It's brutal. Because you're, you're with everybody in county. All different types of criminals are in county. You're not sent. You got people that are on trial, not sentenced. It's tough. Essex County, New Jersey. What were some shitty situations that happened in there? The living environment is terrible. It's just everything. The quality of food, the quality of life, the quality of air. You're just basically a caged animal when you're in county prison. Damn. It's just a housing for... <laughs> it's what it is. But, you know, we, we as men adapt to our... You'd be surprised. We as men adapt to our environment within a day or two. Somehow we learn survival skills. Yeah. Yeah, we do. Uh, people don't realize it. And you get comfortable with your surroundings. You know, it's it was a horrible environment, but 
you, you make the best of it. You may do with it. You get with it, right? Yeah. What well, led that, up? Yeah. I was I was gonna ask what uh did let lead up to that? You know, you getting locked up. I my mean, best what friend, my best friend got pinched for it. My best friend from when we were in diapers got mm -hmm. arrested for it because he had underage guys gambling with him. So like oh. I said before, like I said before, here's me and here's you, this guy, that guy, the other guy. I only deal with these guys, right? Yeah. They have all the gamblers out there that are betting weekly, daily. So I don't know who they are. I, I would never know who they are. Right. I have my I have my clients, right? Which are men, grown men, obviously. But these guys, I don't know who is gambling with them. You have no idea who. So they had they had high school kids gambling with them. Something happened. Some somebody ended up losing. I think it was seven hundred dollars. I think a kid lost seven hundred dollars, and people that were nervous actually kidnapped this kid, took to a housing project in Newark, New Jersey, and left him there as a threat. Me, I have no idea that this is going on, but my best friend has these guys gambling with him. He gets pinched for that. He got arrested for that, and he turned state. My best friend turned state on me. So, not not implicating me in that. They were pressuring him as to who he was working for. Who he was oh, working for. You know what I mean? Right. He, he didn't give to the law that I was implicated, you know, that I was part of that. Yeah. He just he just caved when asked who he was working for. And it went away. It was crazy. Yeah, I mean, so when that happened, did they approach you or the cops? They come after you with a warrant right away? Yeah, or? yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a warrant out for my arrest. They arrested me and uh, basically charged, charged me with a litany of organized crime uh, charges, you know. They charged me with bookmaking, uh, violating gambling laws, some loan sharking, conspiracy, all kinds of different things to make it go up to five years worth of charges. To try to break, to try to break me, to try to break me. So, you know, got arrested yeah. for that. Yeah. So they were trying to get information and stuff from you for like who you're working for, who, you know, such and such, who you getting all this money from, or you know, just just shit like that, and you just told them no and did your time. Yeah, the newspaper articles are say, you know, oh, uh, you know, the newspaper articles were crazy. It was a big chaotic circus media of where I'm from. So, you know, they try to, they try to break you. So what happens is anybody will tell you this that has been pinched. When you don't give up who's above you, they try to charge you as a leader. Mm. They try to charge you as a leader of organized crime. I'm no leader of organized crime. I'm a bookmaker. <laughs> but, but when you're the last man in the investigation, they try to charge you as the leader. But I was, I was willing to take it. I wasn't going to budge. I wasn't going to budge. My minimum penalty would have been five years. And my reputation is worth more than my reputation is, you know, I, I want to retain my positive reputation. So if I was going to face five years and I was going to be the last person that got pinched in the investigation, so be it. That would have been it. I was worried. I was ready and willing to take five years to not, yeah, give, anybody up, to not give anybody up. I felt, yeah. that, I felt that strongly about it. Yeah, and like you said, you stuck to your word. You, yeah. you held your guns and only got nine months. I mean, you were thinking you were going to get five, but luckily you just got nine. 
I was prepared for the five because even though I accepted the nine month sentence, mm -hmm. the judge at sentencing, you know, the judge at sentencing, at the, your sentencing time can can uh, reject your plea. They can reject, yeah, the judge can re reject your plea at sentencing and force you to trial. Didn't I didn't know they were planning on doing that. My lawyer told me afterwards they were strongly leaning towards rejecting your plea. Really? He told me the laughter, but they were they were really leaning toward because they because I wouldn't break and they couldn't budge me. They they were irate about it. They, they were irate that I would not budge. <laughs> they were going to. Even though you make your arrangements and drop some charges and take a guilty plea so that the prosecutor does get a guilty plea, that's like their badge, you know, that's like their their notches, right? Yeah. When a prosecutor gets guilty, that's a win. The sentence is immaterial, basically. But the judge wanted me. The judge was irate that I wouldn't put. So wanted wanted me to go to trial and get that five years. And I kind of wanted to go to trial. But my lawyer said to me, look, if you lose that trial, you're doing five state. There's no doubt about it. They're going to sentence you to the maximum if you go to trial and, you, and lose. I negotiated you down to a violating gambling gambling laws in New Jersey. And I could get you nine months. If you want to go to trial, we're going. I really wanted to see the witnesses on the stand face to face. I really, really wanted to do that. I was hungry for that. Knowing You're ready to go. That I'm walking in there like I'm ready. I wanted to see them. But it was the right move. You, you take the guilty yeah. if you're able to, you know. Nine months versus five years, it's a big difference. What what did it for you? What convinced you to just say, all right, we'll all do the nine months? Eh, I was newly married, you know, life. Right. Life around me. Yeah. So I went against my my gut. I took the guilty plea, but I went I went against my my inner being to take that guilty plea. It, yeah. it pained me to plead guilty. I'm but sure. Well, I, I know in life it was the right decision, you know? Yeah, because you get a lot so much time. Yeah, but it, at that time, you know, so I didn't have kids yet. I could have really did the five years, you know? Yeah, but still, I mean, I'm, I mean, in your heart, you still want to do that, you know what I mean? But no, a good thing you only got nine months. You came out. What what happened after you came out? Did you and, nine, and the nine months was local. It was no it was, you know, Essex County, New Jersey. It was local. Oh. But if they put you in state, they could send you three hours south South Jersey, you know. It's then you don't see nobody or anything like that. Your family. It's the time in county's tougher, but being that you're local makes it easier. Speak with How, people come and see you. It's a local prison. It's, yeah. You know. Yeah, that's true, you know, because then you, you get to see your people, but, you know, think about it. Oh, we got to go spend a whole day, you know, going to see the, seeing them three hours away, three hours there, come back, you know, we're never going to be able to do it. It's a whole day. That's what they you. They typically send you to the farthest place. They make it miserable for you. Yeah, I'm sure, because they don't want want you to learn, I guess, is what they do, I'm sure. <laughs> what they do, right? It's funny. Yeah. Corrections. I say it a hundred times. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you came out, uh, what was your mindset? Just done with it? Well, I will tell you this before I get to that. Jail makes you a better criminal. Really? Yes. Because you network with people or? Yeah, everybody's in there doing the same thing. Jail can make you, jail can do a lot of different things, but it, it can definitely make you a better criminal. 
and there is a camaraderie. You know, there's bad things in there, but you get a camaraderie amongst prisoners and inmates, especially if it's people that you know in there. You do your time. Um, so jail can can in many ways make you a better criminal, but it can it can twist your mind. So it's not realizing you are going back. Yeah, you don't want to go back. There's <laughs> a guarantee. Yeah. Oh, Come back if you come out and be able. So when I, upon my release, I had a, I had a decision to make. Fortunately, for the way I conducted myself on the street, I was granted the, um, the option to make a decision on where my life was going. So when I came out, I had to meet with some people, and the conversation was, "What do you want to do?" Versus, "You're going to do this." So yeah, that's a big difference. What happens when you're an associate versus being a made guy? Yeah. Made guy comes out, he doesn't typically have those options. Made guy comes out, he's right back to it. Damn. When you're an associate, it might be a little different. I was granted the uh, options. I had three different options to take. And uh, one of them was, you know, accept this as your life and this is what it will be forever. You did your time. We respect you. We want you part of this thing, you know. And another one was just, okay, mingle in the side, work in the office, answer phones. The gambling offices, answer phones. Or number three, uh, go legit and uh, you're never obligated to us again. But call us anything that you may need anything in the future. And I went that route. I went that route. Damn. And that was how many years ago now? I had not a dollar. Damn. I had not a dollar, man. So how, okay, so when you got out and everything, I mean, where did you have anywhere to go? Did you have family? I, and stuff? I had family. That's I good. Had, uh, I had work. Not good work, but I had enough to pay rent. Yeah. But that's about it. Damn. And I was newly married. I had enough to pay rent and just get by. But I made this conscious decision to say this is better than living in a cage. Let yeah. me see. I got... I got these management skills. I have ambition. I am a hustler. I have no vices. Yeah. I have no vices. I have no addictions. I got to be able to make a positive lifestyle out of this. Yeah. And so, I did. Yeah. So, you know, when when did when were you able to find the job that you really enjoyed? And decently paid for everything. I had a menial job that kept me even while I was incarcerated. I told them I was going in. And they said, you have a job, a $10 an hour job, but I had work, yeah. right? I had to pay, right? Yeah. 54 miles each way driving, but I had employment. I had yeah. a purpose, a sense of purpose, right? Yeah. So as I'm working this menial job, I said to myself, you know, I can, I have management skills. Let me look into for a job that may be better. And I found a job that was looking for a supervisor not having any supervisory experience, I went into, I, I just applied for this job. I went in and I nailed it. Damn. This owner's company kept me there for three hours. I talked so, I wasn't bullshitting. I was just being me. Yeah. I was just being me. And uh, ended up landing a supervisory job. <laughs> I'm not even out of jail in a couple of months. Damn, so that's when everything changed after that. I mean, yeah, things went well. That's 25 years ago. 
25 that's what i thought yeah and you know where are you today now i mean what do you got going on that i mean i know you got your youtube channel and stuff i mean are you trying to work on you know a book or anything like that like the no, like that I, don't, I don't even see as I, I wouldn't know where to begin with something like that i guess somebody would have to sit down with me and go piece by piece my life you know yeah and something like that i have a lot of stories we could be on here for hours and you don't want to do that but we could be on here for hours and I could give you stories and situations and life or death situations that I've been in. And we could go on and on and on. Now, listen, I'll jump on with you anytime you want to do a quick story. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but as far as a book or something like that, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. Um, right now, I'm just living and working. Happy with that. The YouTube thing. I don't make money on it. I don't have a big channel. Maybe someday it will be. I don't know. I don't keep it related to this topic. I keep it very general. As you can see, you've seen my. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You said I was on there today commenting on a bunch of your videos. Yeah, I just keep it general. No, not on the mob genre specifically. You know? Right. Yeah. I enjoy it. I enjoy it, but not on the mob genre specifically. So as far as social media stuff goes, I don't really have a goal or a or a vision. If it goes somewhere, great. If it doesn't. So be it. I'm enjoying myself. It's a positive out for me. I do that half hour in the morning, having coffee with my morning crew, which is shoot the shit, talk about life. Yeah. And I move along with my regular job. So yeah. You know, you know. Yeah, you can you can tell. I mean, like with that, you can tell, like you said, it's a good outlet. You know, I can see, you know, from you know, all your videos are just happy, being positive, you know, just nothing negative, and it's not nothing to do with the mob stuff, you know, because you're more than just that, you know, that was just a part of your life, but there's so much more that you have going on and that you've been through, you know, so that's good that you keep it like that. And you can tell you're just very relaxed on there. You know what I mean? Just very relaxed dude and you're in life, you know? <laughs> it's interesting to see from a different person's perspective what you see, because I don't yeah. get really feedback on it other than situations like this that we're talking about right now, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's what I see when I see it, man. I mean, just you enjoying life and relaxing, you know? <laughs> Yeah, I just like to keep it positive if I can. If that helps somebody through that day, I did, you know, I'm good. I feel good. Yeah, and you, because you do have a lot, quite a few, I mean, people that do tune in, you know, on your lives and stuff when you go and you talk and, you know, I mean, that gives people something to do and to look forward to and, you know, enjoy and hear your messages. I mean, because, you know, on your, sh on, you know, like you have like a, you know, the thing about the tattoos, you know, you do like little, uh, yeah. little clips, you know, and you, you, you give messages or how would you, how would you label that? You know what that is when you do those it's just it's just i a just think quick topics yeah get to it everybody can relate to most of them we shoot the shit for a half hour about that topic and people are satisfied and happy yeah. I, don't know. I don't know i don't know you know there's a <laughs> lot of different topics that people are thinking about but don't talk about yeah and you bring there's them to a life. lot of people in the morning just having coffee so instead of watching the horrible news Right. In with me, we shoot the ship for a half hour, and a lot of times I don't have a topic. I go freestyle. Typically, I go freestyle. Yeah. Say, what's up, guys? What's going on? Okay, in North Jersey, we got rain today, and that leads to another topic. Yeah, it just keeps going and going and flowing. Yeah. <laughs> and no, cool. I enjoy that. Yeah, so that's I, cool. I am, I'm 53 years old. I raised two kids. I'm unfortunately divorced. I'm single. I have a lady friend. I keep company, but you know, I, I don't know. 
I'm at that point where I could just sit back for a half hour, shoot the shit, and just talk about life, things. And if I could help somebody through my negative experiences, because I'm a perfect example that there is, you can make a positive out of a negative. I'm a a prime example of that. Absolutely. You can. You know, I really believe that it's my the fact that I did not cave in that led me to a lot of the things that are happening right now. Yeah. Your reputation, your reputation is is what you got, you know. What's that tattoo that you got? Your reputation is your wealth. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, that's true. I got, I got the serenity prayer on one forearm and I got your reputation is your wealth on the other forearm. Yeah, very meaningful messages, you know. I mean, so I like prayer is not just for addiction; it's for a lot of different things. Yeah, I have friends that struggle with addiction. But the serenity prayer is typically linked to addiction, but I think it's general in all life. Yeah, it's 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 whatever anybody wants to make of it. Really, I mean, there's more meanings in everything. It's just how you take it. See, this is a good chat. It's not just mob talk, right? Right. Yeah, that's what I do, though. I mean, I, I like to. To do the interviews, get get to know the person. I mean, because I'm not just a mob channel, you know, either. I do them with rappers, comedians, and I mean, everything, you know. So, you know, I, I just like to hear, you know, if it was a shitty upbringing that you went through when you went through some trials and tribulations on the way, I just I want to hear it all. And then, you know, talk about what you got going on today and how it's positive and how you can prevent people from making the same mistakes as you, you know? Yeah, so, so basically I started out as a, a normal, regular kid in a blue-collar environment. The mob flavor was there. It was the environment of where we grew up, not even knowing it, like I said, cultural, right. environmental. And through life, things got tough. My father split, left my mother with two kids and no money. And I saw I would make something happen, not realizing, wow, it's illegal and this is not right. And fast forward to getting arrested as an adult, fast forward to... 25 years later, living a positive, uh, legitimate lifestyle. So it's not typical that people get out of it. It's not typical. No, not at all. I mean, there's not a lot of people around that can do the interviews, you know what I mean, or that do them, you know, that, that are able to, you know what I mean? Unless they're a rat, and they, unless they, you know, unless they save themselves, right, basically? Kind of. The only people that are typical. This is a perfect example. The only people that are really out right now are guys that turn state. Because the other guys are away. They don't have a voice right now. Yeah. No, they can't. I mean, it's either they're dead or in prison. Oh, man. It's terrible. I got friends in there doing life. I got friends in there doing three years. I got friends in there doing 10 years. It's just, it's it's ugly, man. Yeah. Well, at least, well, at least you're out. And you made it. I mean, and you, you've been able to live your life good for 25 years, you know, and doing good things, you know what I mean? And just enjoying your life. Yeah. It's there. Like, listen, I could change my financial situation isn't the best right now. And I know that I could change that quickly, but I know what's going to happen. What's that? You end up back in the cage. Oh, okay. I yeah. thought you were talking about like a, a promotion or some shit. No, no, no. I can go back to being, you know, involved. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know where it goes. It does not. It does it's not. not worth it. No, no. And that's the overall message, you know. And that's why I do these, you know. Just like I mean, overall, you know, it's just to help people to not make the same mistakes. You know, it might not even be 
it might be business mistakes or it might be, you know, some life mistakes that are, you know, trying to avoid prison, you know, just anything, you know, that's what I really like to touch on, you know, just so everybody can get a better perspective and, you know, try to make better decisions. <laughs> so my, my, the focal point of my day is waking up, walking outside and hearing those birds chirping. You don't realize yeah, it's music, man. You don't realize it until you don't have it. Yeah, I'm sure, man. You, you missed out on them for a while. Day. I appreciate that every single day. I have my first sip of coffee outside, and I hear those birds chirping, and I'm like, wow, man. Yeah. I'm this By choice, I'm never giving this up again. Yeah, no. I mean, it makes you appreciate things that you you, you may have never thought to appreciate before. Yeah, people don't realize. I go down by the Hudson River in Manhattan, you know? I go down by the Hudson River and I watch the sunrise and I just soak it all in, man. I enjoy I'm, I'm only 10 minutes from the Hudson River in Manhattan. So yeah. The Jersey side of Manhattan. You know, I see the skyline. And just to see that sunrise over Manhattan yeah. onto the Hudson River, it's just magical, man. I cannot ever imagine not being able to free will do that on any morning just to take a ride down by the river and watch that yeah i mean it's 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 incredible you know to to enjoy those kind of things you know i always love looking at this the night sky you know and shit like that you know just sitting out there and relaxing you know i mean that's just that's my thing you know i mean i always love looking at that and appreciating that you know but you know for you you like you said it's a little different because you at one point in time you did you weren't able to have that by choice you know, but now you appreciate it a thousand times more. Yes. I have a lot we can go over. I mean, we can jump on anytime you want. We can do a live. Yeah. We can do a chat live, like you said, with Chicky or whatever. You might hit me up and say, Stig, let's go on tonight for 20 minutes. I want a quick mob story or a yeah. quick story of a situation you might have been in. Something like, and I'm, I'm more than happy to do it with you. Okay. Yeah, cool, man. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Um, where can the people find your YouTube channel? There's Tommy Stiggs. This is me. Tommy, <laughs> this is yep. basically it right here. Tommy Stiggs. How did okay. you find me? Colby or which yeah, yeah, Colby. Yeah, Colby and Tom Tom Lavecki. I seen yeah. they, you were on their shows and I was just like, oh, let, let me reach out to him because I'm, you know, I'm interested in, you know, what with the interview and, you know, your story. So I was like, I, fuck, I, I want to hear it too and, you know, kind of make my own spin on it. <laughs> There's a lot more to the story. There's stories within stories and stories within stories. There's tons and tons and tons. I th what do you think? It, what do you think that the um, the you, uh, audience did? An hour, forty minutes. What, what do you think that is? What what when, you, when do you think you lose the people? Um, here, do you want me to hit end on here? What's that? I'll, I'll hit end on here. Well, if you made it this far, please give me a comment. Let me know what you think. Uh, I got plenty more stuff coming like this, so subscribe, give me a like, let me know what you think. Thank you.